how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. I am your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me on today. I have Chris Doyle. Chris is the president and CEO of Build, two-time founder, and he is operating a fintech payment company uh, with deep expertise in terms of construction and finance. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you on. Hey, what's up, Ryan? Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into this. Uh, I think you are the first fintech slash payment company that we've had on the show. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to wrap with you, man. So, so let's let's kick things off with uh, just an understanding of where you're at in terms of your journey. So where are you guys at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, so um, we have kind of a unique revenue model in that our product, we purchase material from um, commercial construction suppliers and resell it to our customer. So our revenue mm-hmm. is actually over 150 million right now. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 very large, but the actual lending uh, finance part of that uh, is around 15 million. Okay, so basically you got 150 million in raw goods, but or 135, and then 15 mil in in like SaaS, right? Okay, cool. And then what's your go to market strategy? Well, uh, you know, when we when we initially launched three years ago, um, we we kind of made a I'd say a mistake, but you know, we we thought to ourselves, um, you know, our product ultimately what it's doing is it's it's providing flexibility for cash flow for contractors, and the dysfunctional issue that they have is that they buy material and they source labor through their their crews, their foremen, everyone out on a project, and this is like commercial construction projects, right? And so um, they install this material, they submit their pay applications to the general contractor. That's the entity that kind of manages the project. And uh, what happens is that takes a long time and it's handled as like a cohort. So like there's like 30 or 40 subcontractors, our customer on a, on a single project, all of them are handled in one cohort. So like April pay application if one of them is delayed, everyone sits and waits. All other, you know, thirty nine, mm. and so that that takes you know sixty to ninety days. And so here's our customer, right? They're having to pay for this material up front, oftentimes, and of course labor overhead, other other expenses. They don't get paid for you know on average sixty to ninety days, and so that's a big problem, right? This is um, these are mm-hmm. generally like low cash balance businesses, and they're not just one project. You know, they're juggling three, four, 10, 20 projects at a time. And it, and it creates a real problem, right? And they're constantly, you know, waiting for that check to come in so they can continue to operate their business. Um, profitable businesses, right? It's just a dysfunctional cash flow scenario. So, you know, we thought from an original go to market was, well, we're solving a lot of problems for the material supplier. And why not take on that operating leverage of them selling the product? So imagine, you know, we're basically a, a buy now, pay later for the commercial construction industry. And imagine a firm, right, just going around looking for consumers, right? I, instead, what they do is they latch onto a Peloton, right, and say, well, at checkout. So we thought that was the simple solution. So our go to our initial go to market was to go to suppliers. 
and say, hey, look, when you're offering your products, you know them better than us. When they um, you know, have struggles, when they need flexibility off our product, it did not land well. It was a really long sales cycle. Um, we ended up being super boots on the ground with the supplier. And then um, we'd be, uh, I'd say, you know, handholding our customer because the product didn't exist. And so they didn't understand, although it's a very simple, it's just something very new. So, um, you know, within the first six months, we said, hey, let's start just going to these guys directly, our core customer, right? And, um, and of course, that has added costs because you're going one by one and you're marketing to a broader audience. Uh, but we found that to be much more effective. So within six months, we completely shifted. Now, we we still have and still prioritize uh, working through what would be like the supplier channel. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we... Uh, we, we decided at that point, let's just go directly to our customer. And it's actually I mean, so much better. I mean, you build your business around the customer. Like, why the fuck wouldn't you just go to them, right? And I get the, right. you know, the channel, all those things. But those are secondary for us now. Um, and it didn't, and the good thing is it didn't take us very long to, to figure that out. Now, um, since we've grown, you know, we've grown uh, kind of the, the classic 300, 300, 100, 100. Um, we're on the second stage of 100 on that. And... Um, you know, the, the go to market, you know, we get, we established product market fit with our initial product. You know, now what we're doing is how do we solve other pain points uh, or other products, same pain point, And then how do we evolve past that too? So that's the fun part. You know, it's like, what's your next product? So we recently launched an additional product called a pay, app, uh, pay application advance. And what that mm-hmm. does is allows them to draw down on funds where they've already submitted a pay application and we're in super R and D mode to to figure out what that what that third product is. Awesome, man. So uh, how do you how do you go direct then? Do you, do you just leverage an outbound motion, like an outbound sales motion, or how do you get access directly to customers? Yeah, uh, digital direct response um, initially. That's fairly easy to spin up. Um, like you're talking like paid ads, like Facebook ads and Google payword or Google keywords. Yeah, pay, paid ads, um, outbound um, account based marketing. Um, uh, channel marketing. So we work directly with suppliers, general contractors, uh, technology providers. So if you go back to that, like Peloton, right? So if the, certainly we're still working with suppliers, but most of our customers in one form or fashion, they are using a technology product to either submit a pay application or manage the project in some capacity. So a lot of our work right now is actually bolting on to those solutions um, and, and really be able to provide the solution at time of need. And that okay. time of need, right. Is like when they need to buy material. So sometimes that's when they're awarded a project. So they get a contract, it's like, Oh, now I've got a plan for this. So here's a solution. Sometimes it's when they actually need to purchase the material. So there's some procurement, uh, stuff out there right now that we're, that we're, uh, working with. And then other is just like when they're actually submitting their pay application. So a lot of this is done through technology platforms. That's the super compelling one for us because, you know, once um, those platforms have a solution, you know, it, it's a lot of work for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even the largest, you know, um, SaaS companies out there like uh, Autodesk, which is like a 50 billion plus company, right? Like there's still a decent amount of work, a lot of coordination going on. And so to do that second offering, it's like, why do we need that right now? We kind of already have that. Let's go focus on something else. So it's a big opportunity for us to be like first in line there. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which is why we're putting a lot of resources on that. Nice. I love that, man. So are you, how big is your team? Uh, 75, about half, about half of that is sales. Um, and about two thirds of that is all outbound. So, you know, both in territory, you know, uh, dialing, um, again, supporting account-based marketing. Um, and I should probably call that marketing and sales. Right. It's a, yeah, a little bit of a hybrid, um, but everybody calls it ABM account-based marketing, even though it's, 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 I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just a different way of saying like (laughs) carpeting outbound really, you know, like just hitting multiple stakeholders for outbound, you know? So, and, and um, that's, and you, that's pretty new for us still, um, to, to have a very dedicated and, and, um, how do I say this? Like tactical, like, like plan tactical approach. So it's like, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we do this for, you know, 5,000 accounts. Um, right. and that's relatively new and we've had a lot of success with that approach. That's awesome. Are you, are you leveraging that on, um, a specific social platform via email or what's your, your primary, or is it omni-channel in terms of your outreach? Yeah, it's omni-channel, but it's, um, you know, the anchor there is, uh, some, some kind of presence in office. So we've tried a number of different things between like gift boxes, swag, you know, it's so odd, the kind of things that you, you find actually resonate. But when mm-hmm. we have specific trades in our, um, for our customers. So there's like electrician plumbing there. These they're all like subcontractors, but very different in what they do. We can specialize those. So our, our audience is about 500,000 companies. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty in each category that we can kind of gear up something that's very specific to them. And look, these, these guys, uh, our, our core customer, they don't get what I call called on, right. Very much. Right. Material suppliers certainly are calling them saying, hey, you know, sell this product, you know, use our product, do this, buy from buy from us. But outside of that, it's almost nobody. So they like it. Right. I mean, they it's like, hey, no one ever wants my business. I'm always the one having to do this. Right. I'm the one having to <laughs> knock on doors trying to get the next contract. Like, it's kind of nice having someone, you know, come to us that understands our pain points. Right. That understands our business. Um. And I would, I would say like in it for the long haul, but also with them, right? Like we are, we, we, you know, our vision here is our, uh, we're the champion of the sub. So we do that, you know, across the board, the sub is our customer, you know, from, from marketing sales, you know, how we, how we develop our products all, all really around that, like being their champion because they, they don't really have it. It's a tough spot for them. They're bidding against other subs constantly. And I know every, I mean, that's capitalism, but like it's, it's really tough for them. I mean, they're bidding against eight or nine contractors at any given time. Um, very little like negotiating leverage when they're, they're working on price and, and contract terms. And uh, they're constantly getting juggled around with projects, right? One customer is like, oh, this one's ready. Oh, wait, no, no, it's not. Okay, now it is. And then you've got four other people kind of saying the same thing, plus the cash flow issues, right? You can start, it's like stressing me out even thinking about it. Like it can be a, <laughs> a stressful deal for, for our business owners. Well, <laughs> And it's good because you you know the problem very well. If you're getting stressed out about it, just talking about it. So, are are you bootstrapped or funded? Oh, we're funded. Um, you know, we raise a unique thing about a lending company is you have to have access to capital to lend to. So, we we raise a ten million dollars Series A, and then a and the fifty million dollar warehouse line. So, we were really set up with a, a long runway from a capital needs standpoint. And, um, that's why we've had, um, very, I would say fast grow growth. We still bootstrap in the sense that, you know, you're talking to the, 
you know, the former CTO, CPO, CEO, uh, head of HR, you know, head of taking the trash out. Right. Um, but then as we grow, you know, we're building out these core functions to make sure we support, you know, a, a scaling company. So you're capital efficient is what you say, even though you got, you got the funding. That's right. And I think at this stage, we just recently raised our series B, $30 million series B in, in last July. And so at this stage, um, even though like my kind of heart is in bootstrapping, um, and I just like enjoy that, um, the, we need to scale the business and I can't be like head of legal and, you know, head of, like, <laughs> so we're, we're, we've, we're building out the executive team and, and kind of that director level of, of the business. And, and that's a lot of fun. Excellent, man. Well, it sounds like some exciting stuff's going on for you guys in terms of, uh, just upward momentum and, and mobility hit your series B last year. So, um, super cool from that perspective. And would you say your solution is very, we talked about this a little bit before, since it's almost like a new category. Um, would you say it's experiential so that people, once they experience it, it's it's like life changing. But before they do, they they're like they're just kind of clueless. Uh, I, I would say yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> we have about you know I think it's north of ninety percent customer retention from a um, they use it once, they use it a second, third, fourth time. The economics are like SaaS, so it's the way it works is a customer uses for the first time. Normally, that purchase or the first month of usage is about 3x of what trails behind it. Um, so let's say it's $60,000 of purchases the first month on an, on an average kind of weighted basis. And then thereafter, it's you know, anywhere from fifteen to 25000 And that's, you know, across our customers is pretty consistent across – all cohorts uh, from you know when we started in 2019 to what we what we see today. Um, so the economics, and I'm not just saying this to get a higher multiple, um, but the the economics are very SaaS like. Um, mm-hmm. And I you know I, I don't know I don't I wouldn't attribute that just to like the product solution. Our team is like built for construction, right? I mean we mm-hmm. I'm a 20 year construction vet. I know their pain points. I know the kind of ugly part and the pretty part. And um, a lot of players that have come into this space with any kind of solution in any way, it's like if they don't have that construction background, they are quickly turned off by it. And um, our team, it's like, look, we give them, I wouldn't say the right act, but like we, we let them know what they're getting into. And we certainly hire from the construction side as well. Um, so they, they have a tremendous amount of empathy for our customer and the pain points they solve. So I don't want to like trivialize, but like, you know, things like, Hey, we submit something there's an issue with it, like really going not above and beyond. That doesn't even like really, really above and beyond, even for a small purchase to make sure that we're that reliable solution. Our customers 100% sense that and, and, and they trust us. Right. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, they, they trust us and, um, that, like I t- mentioned before, they're kind of running around project to project, you know, they're driving a lot in the, tr- in their trucks. And it's like, Hey, I just kind of need this done. Like send this over here. I know it'll yeah. get paid today. Um, and so I think that's a, a big element of why we've been successful from a cu- customer retention standpoint. Um, also it's just like, it's clearly a problem and the, and the product, um, eases that, you know, I wish we could solve it completely. Um, but you know, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it sounds like you're well on your way. So how, how did you, so Chris, like, how did you get to this point, right? Like 
what was the journey here? I, I know you mentioned your 20 year construction vet. And so it's, it's, um, it's not very often that I've heard of people coming from that space and then becoming a, a two-time founder. So, um, so what's your story, man? How'd you get here? Yeah. So I, you know, I started, uh, kind of like high school, right? I mean, it, it, it's funny you talk to people and they're like, yeah, I had the same job and it's, it's framing houses. And I always say, it's like, it was such a great job in high school because, um, one, I got a tan you know, this isn't like OSHA, <laughs> you know, skyscrapers. Like, like I had my shirt off, like a lifeguard. right? Yeah. It's just like that. I got a tan, same, same, you know? uh, got a great workout. You know, I'm the one carrying like 18 foot two by tens, you know, double stacked on my shoulder from the front of the the house where they drop the lumber to the, to the back or to the garage. So you get a workout and they pay cash every week. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I really love doing that. And I still love, absolutely love walking through, through wood frame. Um, just kind of walking around, inspecting and whatnot, uh, showing off. Uh, and then got into a residential uh, building uh, after college and did that for about five years uh, uh, after the mortgage-backed security crisis. Um, trans- actually, it was a little ahead of that, uh, but transitioned to uh, commercial construction. That's where I probably had gotten most of my insight to our to our core customer. Did that for about five years. Then transitioned to renewable energy, uh, mostly solar. Um, did that for about five years, which is a heavy, heavy finance component, right? So that only mm-hmm. works with the right financing mechanisms. It's a long-term asset producing cash flow, right? So how do you do that through 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 uh, finance? And um, that is like a, such a new industry. There was there was a lot of dysfunction, and so I started my first business as a technology solution. Uh, to bridge the gap between the finance side and the on the boots on the ground. So what it did was basically like document what's going on in the installation. So that way the finance company was would release the final payment because they're going like, hey, I'm releasing $50,000. I need to make sure this thing exists on the address that it, I, I think it's going to. And so we have like geotag on the photos and like make sure that it was installed properly so that such that the system would perform and produce the the cash flow savings to the consumer. Um, so that was my first company. And about a month after I'd invested everything I had into launching that, I got a call from a couple guys uh, that had been talking to for a while at the Bay Area that were launching a solar uh, finance company. In fact, they were just acquired uh, about a month ago. And so I started there around the like like fifth to seventh employee uh, as a chief commercial officer and really ran both of those parallel. So um, help grow that. We had just a super badass team there. Um, help, I learned a lot and uh, help grow that to about a billion dollars a year in, in annual um, consumer loans for solar projects, which is a super cool thing to do and feel good about. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, That's big, man. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, they were just acquired. So really a great success story for them. Uh, but about, uh, I guess it was four years, and I had helped raise the Series A and done a few securitizations with them. Um, and uh, with that investor, actually, uh, started Build. So uh, I don't even remember how it all kind of started. But it was like, hey, oh, actually, I do. One of our customers, right, is having the same problem. I said, hey, why are we, why are we advancing you more money on the consumer loan? Why don't we just do a new product where we just give you money and you pay interest, right? It's like, this is your your issue, don't pass this to consumer. I, you know, and, and you need that flexibility. So let's, let's offer this product. So it's like 
create a little spreadsheet and say, well, how about we do 300,000 and we, you know, amortize it out. And we did it and it was successful and, and said, Hey, let's, let's start a new thing. So uh, me and uh, uh, Jesse Weisberg, who uh, worked with me at dividend uh, approached uh, those investors and they said, yeah, let's do it. And so, uh, you know, three months later we had, we were starting build. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a cool journey, man. And it's like unexpected. Cause you're like, you're probably when you were, uh, when you're doing some of the construction work and then you jumped into solar, you, you probably weren't thinking, oh, my next company is going to be, you know, almost like a fintech solution and payment solution comboed with SaaS, right? Like, so um, was it just kind of like you were just putting one foot in front of the other and then opportunities came up and then you just started to pursue them? No, it's completely like- one foot in front of the other. I, there's <laughs> not a very much master plan, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes in my thinking, but they, yeah, one foot in front of the other. And, you know, I tell the story all the time. There's another component of the story, which is kind of interesting. I'll share was that, um, just maybe, uh, three or four months prior to this, I was running a big, I was running over half the company and, um, the company, the CEO had come to me and said, Hey, like we, we kind of need to like break this out. We, we love you. You're fantastic. Kind of pick what side you want, but we, we need to do that. And to me, I'm like, Oh shit, this is like a huge demotion. Like I'm, I'm losing resources and I care deeply about the company. Uh, and I love the CEO there uh, too. Um, but I certainly felt uh, as if it was a demotion and I'm going, well, shit, do I need to like do something else? And I had this other business that it was, um, had become pretty successful. And, you know, I wouldn't say I was like ready to leave, but I, you know, certainly had, had come up and, uh, and then this, which is like, Oh, great. Uh, CEO gig, I, I, which I had already started my other business, but not, not like a $10 million investment, you know, on day one. And so, um, you know, I tell the team here all the time, it's like, you just never know. And the absolute, I mean, I, I actually, I was talking to our group of SDRs. We was just like super great group of SDRs. Now I'm, I'm super pumped about them. Um, and I'm like, guys, okay. I think there was 11 of them in the room. I said, look, look around, like you will see these people in another company, like your reputation matters. Like, and we were talking about like credibility of sales and things like all this, like very detailed stuff. It's like, what really matters is your credibility amongst your peers and who you're working with, because you're going to leave here and it's either one of these folks is going to get promoted and be taken somewhere else. And then they're going to hire you, or it's going to be like me or, or someone else in the company that's like, Oh, that guy was a badass or that, that person's badass. I'm going to hire them. And that like, you just never know. And, um, you know, you just can't have this reputation of someone that's, um, doesn't give it a hundred percent or like, that's going to be your thing. And don't expect a lot of, out of your career if that's it. Cause you just, you're always going to be in a situation when you have to make it instead of being called out, like getting your, what, what is it in baseball? Like you get called up, like you're never going to get fucking called up. Well, it's funny you say that story. Cause like re- a real life example of this is, uh, one of my first clients in, in my business. Cause I, I help, I help SaaS and, and tech companies and managed services companies scale revenue. Right. And so one of the, one of my first clients was actually a, um, a coworker that I was in sales with. Like literally I remember like, I remember like sitting, making calls. Right. And then I just ran across him on LinkedIn and I'm like, Hey man, what's going on? Let's grab lunch. And he's like, what are you up to? And I'm like, ah. he's like, what have you been up to? And, um, and I was telling him and he's like, that sounds really cool. I think we could use that. And so then we started talking and then I started working with him. Right. And so they're like, um, Oh yeah, he was a straight up dude. Like, yeah, that's great. Like, but if you didn't have that reputation, 
it's like you'd just blown off the you'd have blown off the meeting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so, so if you're if you're an SDR listening to this uh, and Chris's team, listen to what he's saying. It's it's true. I've been on the other side of it, and there's like, I don't know, multiple other examples I could give you of that as well, where where things worked out really well. So, good advice. Very very strong advice. I, I'll add to that, and this is again, I was like preaching to our SDRs yesterday. Is like if we're giving SDRs advice. <laughs> um, is this is such the best time in your career. You know, I started my intro with, I frame houses. You know, how compelling is that? If I was like, yeah, my dad got me a job at an investment firm. I'm like, fuck that. Like, you didn't work for anything. Every, everyone that hears your story is like, dude, you just got handed everything. And yeah. to be able to have, you know, I'm not saying do it for 10 years, but you need to have two, at least two years of just the work. Right. It's funny. I said the word. <laughs> shit our, jobs, right? Our, you were our, talking the shit jobs. Right. Yeah, it's like you job. gotta have like the, you know, the knocking doors, the cold calling, the framing houses, whatever it is, or you're just not gonna get the credibility from a diverse group of people that you're gonna get. Like, yeah, maybe to investors, I'm like, yeah, I started here. Like, okay, that's fine. But when you're trying to motivate people and they know you've been there before and you did it with gusto, like that's that's super compelling. And SDRs right now, I mean, like to be super candid, like this kind of generation of one to two year experience is kind of looking ready to go. Right. And in my mind, it's like they, they, they collectively need to know what this means to their career down the road, other than the dollars they get, they get paid in commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell man, that's how I started up. My first job out of school was they didn't call it SDRs. It was called inside sales and I'm doing quotes, right? Inside sales. And so, um, but they were, it was like boiler room where they expected you to make like 250 dials a day and um, try and one call close people, right? For deals that were four to $14,000, right? And it was, it was literally like a boiler room environment. It was a lot of fun. And I thought that just the way it was. And I think my base was $1,500,000 a month, but that was a draw. It wasn't even a base, Chris. It was a draw, man. $1,500 a month draw. And this is like, I graduated college. I wasn't like, I didn't graduate college, but there's a lot of skills. Like as weird as it's going to sound that I used across my career that I helped other people with and that I help people with now because of the the grit and getting hung up on and all those challenging times. So, so I'm with you on that. So, so tell me, you know, what you've done because you've had rapid growth and how, so how have you done that? Like, what, what would you say if you, if you could chalk it up to one, one thing, what's like a three to five step framework that has led to that growth? Yeah. I I think the biggest component is we haven't had a lot of like big hiccups. So Mm -hmm. when you're growing these businesses, you said, I mean, it's like day one stuff. How are we going to architect our system? How are we going to attach like a customer to a project and what, what is the relationship and how is this set up? and I'd already done it. Right. So we'd already done it at this other lending company. So it's like buying your second house. I'm like, I want a really big master bathroom. Like I, you know, I'm not going to do this again. And so we built it that way. And yeah, I mean like what, three days ago, we sent an email, a first time email to people that have been on our platform for like three years. Like we had those kinds of things, but not major, major breakdowns, which tends to happen in early stage companies, especially growing very, very quickly. We haven't had a lot of those hangups. And when we do, we like jump all, all over it to make sure. So there's a lot of like punch to make sure 
the end of the day, funds go to that supplier. So they get the material, they show up on time, right? They do what they're trying to do with, with the general contractor. So I, I think that's probably it. Plus, you know, we have a, a really fantastic head of, head of um, marketing and sales that were able to get us kind of, I wouldn't call it like plug and play because it definitely wasn't plug and play, but um, connected with some d- uh, direct response and, and, and targeting campaigns with our customers on the digital side that were able to spin up very quickly on a structure that would, would go. So, you know, we were a year and a half in funding several million. Do- I mean, we were uh, five months in doing a million dollars a month, um, which is like from scratch. Right. So I, I would say, so how did you do that? Let's, let's talk about that. Cause that's really interesting to go from like five months in from scratch and then start doing a million a month. Were you, did you scale up paid ads and then shifted it to book a call? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. is that kind of like the, the process so you're doing like facebook ads and google keywords and um i don't know was that what you used like 100 percent, yeah we've done everything so we've done god google adwords we do uh, facebook instagram we do linkedin we do email campaign we do uh reddit we do uh printed ads we do radio we do connected tv i mean we went out basically we took every possible source of marketing and we, I, I, I had John Katz, our, our head of marketing, put every single one. I said, I want to do everything and at least to know that it doesn't work. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like even like radio, like radio for, um, uh, for what we're doing is such a specific segment and in industry is like, that's, that seems like kind of a silly investment, but how do we know, right? Our, our, our cust- core customers on the, on the road all day. Right. Um, especially you look at like more connected, like a serious type thing. Um, so we did really everything. Uh, and we had, I mean, look, we had a marketing budget, so we were able to spend money. We had funding. It wasn't a scenario where like, Hey, figure out this $10,000 a month. Right. And figure out how to grow on just this. We had, a well, how did ammunition. you, let me, let me stop you. Cause that's a great point. I don't want to miss this. So how much budget did you have to start off with then for marketing? Uh, when we were started, I mean, we probably started in this like 10,000 range quickly into 300 and then like very quickly into a hundred thousand dollars a month. Okay. So you start like 10 K a month and then yeah, 10 K on, you know, the paid ads and we're using something like click funnels or some other, um, lead pages or something oh, like geez. that. What are we using? Um, <laughs> uh, we use HubSpot, we use uh mix panel, we use, um, uh, I could start rattling these things off. We probably pay for two dozen marketing softwares, uh, okay, to, to track gotcha. everything. Okay. So basically you hit the direct response side, you, you nailed the demand. And then that obviously converted into revenue. You tossed it over to your sales team, your sales team closed it. And then you just kept ramping up the demand and adding salespeople. Is that my, my assumptions correct there? Pretty much. But we've all, you know, in, in three years, like every six months, we're, we're making a pretty big change. It's just the okay. sales part that we, we kind of go in evolutions. Like we think we have a marketing thing figured out. We're like, yeah, run it. And then it's like, well, something's – the conversion isn't right. So we ended up getting such great f- conversions early on. And we've always had really good customer retention. So anyone's going to say our LTV to, to CAC is like you know five plus to one, right? So it's really – um, attractive economics. So I was going to say, just go get more customers. Right. Um, and so we had really good conversion up front. And then when we started that slip, 
It's like invest in, in maintaining and enhancing that conversion, like try everything. And so that's where things get a little disorganized when we're like testing too many things. Like, well, wait, right. was that as a result to this or this, especially as it, re- as it relates to um, the marketing kind of lead gen side, because like, is that attributable to the fact that they came in through a supplier referral or is it because we had someone with, you know, three to five years experience converting that as opposed to what we started with was like a one to two year. And so figuring that out is, is still like pretty complicated. And what's funny is like, we like end up with just like the most vanilla right down the middle, you know, you go to any like major SaaS company, it's like exactly what they do. Uh, so, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but, uh, so now we have a you know typical outbound inbound, you know, split SDR to AE model. Okay. And do do you have a systemized referral process then? Um, we, we do, although our customer, we were probably like right at the cusp of really putting something behind that. We started with a fairly robust program and really pushing it. It's like, look, we have like 80 customers. Like this is not enough. And customers only used us for nine months. It's just not enough. So I I think we're, uh, back to where we think, um, we can start pushing more on that. And, you know, I, I, I initially I was thinking to myself, well, like why it's because it's a financing solution. Right. And so our, what our customers are proud of is taking on that like really big project, right. And growing their business. They want to grow their business and they take a lot of pride in doing like the stadium, like the big hospital, right. Big, big complicated projects. That's what really gets our customer up in the morning. And when they, take on that first super complicated project, their first shot, they, they take our product as like that secret sauce. So, you know, they, you know, the electrician really doesn't talk to the flooring company, right? So they do talk to other electrical trades, but it's, it's like, you're talking to your competitors um, and you don't really want to give away your secret sauce, right? So if our competitors were listening, we don't have many, but like, I wouldn't really want to be, talking about our secret sauce of, of growth. Um, so that's what I initially had thought and, and why we had, and it wasn't all that successful anyway, but we're at the point now where it doesn't take like a hard referral. It's not like, here's my, my friend's information, their email. It's just like, Hey, it's like word of mouth, right? It's like, Hey, you don't use this. Oh, you should check it out. And it's kind of a catchy name, build B I L L D.com. So as when they hear it, they're like, Oh, I'll just search it later. And sure enough, they come in, we have about uh, 30% of our, of our uh, stuff come in organic. Um, and so we probably need to push that word of mouth a little bit, a, a little bit more. Yeah. There's some really cool things that, cause like Slack got 97% of their business from referrals. I think um, actually Tesla got a third of their model S's from referrals, believe it or not. Do you remember yeah, the first Tesla time you heard of like, Slack? The first time someone said, <laughs> you're like, well, you mean like text messages, like same thing, like, thing, just like email. So yeah, so there's a, there's a lot, um, some pretty cool things that, that you could do if you systemize referrals and then track the KPIs, um, because what's happening and this is what I'm seeing. Cause I've worked with clients on this is, you know, people are getting bombarded now they're getting like, used to be 500 times a day. They're getting hit up. Now they're getting hit up 5,000 times I know. a day. So it's like that. I'm included in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You probably get up tons, man. So, so that's what cuts through that noise is like, oh, well, you know, 
Chris, Chris used these guys and it works. So like I can cut out all that time of like evaluating all these vendors and, and if he's getting good results then you know, there's a good chance I can get good results. Right. So it's a pretty easy psychological play. Okay. So we are up on time. Um, real quick. I want to do very fast founder fire. Um, ask you some quick questions, try and give like a one sentence answer to it. Okay. Who's the, who's the founder or CEO that you follow or admire right now? Oh man, damn! Uh, catch me off guard. I mean, honestly, my the last CEO I work with, Eric White, just sold Dividend Finance. He was great to work with. I absolutely love him. Very different CEO, uh, but him. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, what's your favorite book you've read over the last couple of years? Uh, I just started um, Hundred Years of Solitude <laughs> because we have a, a, a brainiac for for a VP of Sales, and he handed it to me. I'm like, oh shit, I got to read this. Um, <laughs> hundred years of solitude, but what is it even about? Is it stoic, stoicism or something? Like yeah, that? I'm like 70, 70 pages in. Um, and it's about a, right now it's about a family and a son that are just like kind of starting the character development stuff. So I've, oh, I actually cool. haven't gotten the cliff's notes on it, so I don't exactly know what I'm reading. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, um, you know, know what you know now, um, but what advice would you give to your, to your first time founder self? The first company you founded, what would you give yourself? Yeah. So if you, if you, two things, one is if you are super confident, you're going to be successful, bring in someone, a complete badass in people ops very early. It's so, so important. And I tried to act like one for a while. And now, you know, as we grow the business, like we're recruiting for this role, oh, by the way. Um, but if we'd have had it two years ago, I feel like we just would have had that infrastructure that we needed that I mentioned before to really scale the business. Um, the second is don't hire one in a role, hire at least two and never have that single point of failure because, you know, the ocean moments I, I mentioned before that we avoided, we avoided because me and a couple of other people jumped in on single point of failure roles if something happened with them. And, you know, the cost of people when you're, you know, the difference between 30 people and 36 is not that much. So really make sure that's a blind spot, right? You've got just that trustworthy person that's always punching away at that one thing, funding deals, whatever it may be. It's like they get sick, they got to relocate. That's that's a really significant risk to your business early on and always make sure you you hire two. That's that's literally I think 30 minutes before he jumped on, this came up in a like a group I am I'm in with other uh, chief revenue officers, and they literally said, you know, instead of I got the budget to hire because it works for a bigger company, got the budget to hire two people instead of one because of redundancy things. So, yeah, strong, strong advice there. From a sales perspective, I hate to say three because it seems very frothy by saying it, but really it's three, right? Because two. You don't really know when you're trying to evaluate like production, it, it kind of has to be three. So like if it's like an SDR or something like that, but if it's like a single accountant, you know, you don't need three accounts, but. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, so where can people find you? Where can they find out more about build? Yeah. Uh, website, uh, build.com, B I L L D.com. Really cool story on how we ended up acquiring the domain. Um, but yeah, that's the easiest way to get, uh, get in hold of us. Awesome, Chris. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks a lot, Ryan. A lot of fun. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. 
My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.